Good stuff in there. <laughs> uh, are we recording now? <laughs> yeah. Right, so for those who have just joined us, we, we just did a really good intro. It was really funny. You'll have to take our word for it. And I did have my mic turned on, and it's Marco's fault because he wasn't checking the levels. Yeah, it's all my fault. God but I didn't it, turn Marco. your mic on. Yes, can you please check a bit? Um, yeah, well, we did have a very funny intro, but now we don't. Anyway, welcome to the Page One Podcast, episode two of season two, or episode 12, whatever you prefer. <laughs> I don't mind, count it any way you want. Yeah, episode one. Go back to episode one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you don't know what the Page One Podcast is, it's, first of all, why are you listening to this? But secondly, um, it, we speak to writers of all kinds to try and learn about their writing process, how they got into their industry, and also talk about the work that they've done. Um, so hopefully there's something there for yeah. everyone. I think trying to get into the industry is quite a minefield, and I think any, any help that these authors can, can share is, is always useful. No, it's genuinely been helpful and really interesting yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, hope you agree. Uh, who's on this week, Terry? Craig Robertson. Really, really nice guy. We, we chatted with him uh, at my house. Yeah, Craig was kind enough to, to drive into Edinburgh to come and speak to us. He refused a cup of tea, which I thought was quite interesting. He wanted to get out of there as quickly as possible, <laughs> especially when it became clear that the connection that I had lured him there with, I couldn't even remember. Uh, he, I think it was that my brother-in-law is friends with his friend. But I couldn't remember Most the name ten- of this. Ten years of connections. Yeah. I couldn't remember the name of this friend, and Craig looked slightly worried <laughs> when I tried to re- recap who it was or recount who it was. But but who is Craig Robertson? Craig Robertson is a former journalist who had a twenty-year career with a Scottish Sunday newspaper before becoming a full-time author. Oh wow! He interviewed three prime ministers, <laughs> reported on major stories including nine eleven, Dunblane the Oma bombing, and many more, and uh, ditched it all after that 20-year career to become uh, one of Scotland's leading crime authors. Yeah. Um, his books uh, follow police photographer Tony Winter and um, his wife, uh, Dia Neri. And it's good because a photographer is someone you don't really ever read stuff. Well, I've not certainly not read anything by that from that angle before. No, we spoke to Craig about that and why he chose to make uh, that profession the, the centre of his mm. books um, and about many more things as well. Uh, it was a really good chat we had with Craig and we'll get straight to it, but we'll be back at the end of the podcast to talk more nonsense and we might even record it this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll see you after the chat with Craig. Yeah, yeah. we're trying to get as many focus a wide variety of yeah, yeah. Great. writers, comic writers, novelists, that kind of thing. So it's been really interesting. We've yeah, so many people with totally different methods of how they oh, yeah. structure and plan. Oh my god, people have a method. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you, you obviously got into uh, through being a journalist. First, yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I was a journalist for twenty-one years, and it really did come through that. I'd always wanted to to write, but it was only. Um, took me five years to write my first book so I was a journalist for five years while I was writing this first book 
and I gave up on it. I don't know how many times. And I literally said, that's it. Throw mm-hmm. it away. Mm-hmm. Three times at least. Uh, and went back to it, went back to it. And there things sort of changed my life. And I did want out of journalism. I'd really enjoyed it. But I knew it was coming to an end. It was coming to an end for me. And writing a book seemed uh, the best way out. I wasn't always convinced <laughs> that it was going to happen. But it, was, it, it would be my ideal way yeah. To, yeah. To, to move. And also you'd learn a lot of things as a journalist that are very yeah. useful. Basically, you're writing every day. Yeah. Um, and that is the best thing that anyone who wants to write can do, is just write enough that you're honing your craft. Um, and if you can do it while getting paid for it, that's even better. <laughs> yeah. So that, would, that was my way out. Um, it took just such a long time, A, because I didn't have a deadline. And I never really thought MD was going to read it or publish it or, do it or even that I would finish it. So life just kept getting in the way. Mm-hmm. And eventually, something changed my life that it made it the, the ideal opportunity uh, to do it. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, my wife died. And it left me inevitably kind of floundering. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll do the book. That'll give me something to, as an anchor, something mm-hmm. to work on. Mm-hmm. And so that gave me the impetus to go and finish it, um, which turned out to be a good thing because uh, somebody did want to publish it. And that was mm-hmm. great. And it, it kind of went from there. Um, once I got to the point of finishing it, it was a, probably for everybody else annoyingly easy to get published after that. But uh, the road to finish it just uh, it's paved with bad intentions. Probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, so so it is. So the first book you wrote did end up getting published. Then it did yeah. Well, I I wrote uh, the first fiction book I did. I I did a fictionalized version of uh, a true story of the first uh, tr- uh, serial killers in the US who are Scottish, mm. um, and I might yet go back and try and do this. But this was a random which was my debut was the first one properly mm-hmm. and um, lucky enough my agent took me on and uh, it took him a long time to read it and uh, look at it but once he did things moved fairly quickly um, and maybe going through the process being so difficult was a good thing in the long run I think I probably learnt from it things not to do again yeah absolutely. I hope and how did you go about finding the agent then? What was when you did you start looking for someone before you actually had the book finished, or did you finish? Did being first? a journalist? Did no, you know anyone in advance? No, it wasn't through that. It was simply the tracking tested of buying the artists and writers writers mm-hmm. yearbook, mm-hmm. Yeah. looking through it for mm-hmm. agents who represented people who did something similar. And uh, Stan uh, Mark Stanton is, is was and is my agent, and uh, he'd he'd taken a look at the stuff that I did on the Harps, the American serial killers. And he didn't take it up because, it, it, rightly, it wasn't in a place to go somewhere. So when I'd finished random, I wrote to him again because he, he'd swithered over the hearts for a long time and he did remember it. And so he read the first three chapters of random, liked it and wanted the rest mm-hmm. of the book. So I finished the book, sent it to him and he didn't look at it for something like five months. Mm-hmm. Well, it was beginning to really do my head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and did you have it out with anyone else at that time? No, I, no. I kind of left it with him because the general... Uh, I know people do go to various agents, yeah, but no, the, the yard suggested yeah, yeah. go to one and yeah. what you get to know. But he kept going, my, no, I'm interested, I'll read it, I'm interested, I'll read it. And so I first sent it to him in October and in January 22nd um, of 2009, he, he emailed me saying it's going to be another two months before I can read it. Oh. And I'm like, you're like, <laughs> joking me. Um, so I was... I was about to say, right, look, I can't take any more of this. And the very next day, he emailed me back saying, change your plan. I read it last night, start to finish. Oh, wow. when, can <laughs> we, when can we meet? Fantastic. So and from there, I think something like eight weeks later, we had two publishers bidding for it. Wow. That from, is so from fast. all that time, he mm-hmm. got it out there and we're ready to go. And he didn't ask me to polish it up before it went out either. He was happy with it as it was. 
obviously raw in some ways, lots of ways. Um, so that was how I got the agent, and I've been with them ever since, thick and thin. Wow. So, uh, but maybe the maybe the long time that it took you to write it helped because presumably you went through a lot of drafts. Then did you yes. redrafting? Or yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I, I was editing as I went mm-hmm. from memory. So that would be, I guess, I started fifteen years ago now in that book, um, maybe a bit longer. Um, so yeah, I was editing as I was going on, which slowed down the process of completing it. Mm-hmm. But it meant once it, I got to the end, it was in better shape than mm-hmm. if I hadn't done that. Um, enough that he was, I think from memory, he maybe wanted a few things changed and a couple of things cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he, he put out in submission. Wow. From and, and is that the same kind of process you have now when you edit? When you Do you always edit as, as you go still? Yeah, I still do. Um, so lots of authors will do what they'll call a dirty first draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. And I think it's partly with being a journalist. Mm-hmm. So anything that I wrote as a journalist, I wanted to hand in ready to go yeah. on the page. Because if it wasn't, somebody else would rewrite it. And I wanted it done the way yeah, I wanted yeah, yeah, it done. Yeah, yeah. So I'm used to, probably if, if I say in a one day write, couple of chapters I will read those chapters the next day before I do anything else and I'll change while it's still fresh in my head mm-hmm. and make sure I'm happy with it because um, I frequently work till two in the morning and so the next day I have to make sure I wasn't just writing nonsense and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and try and get it right so I, I still like to do that in my head I like to think that when I finish my first draft it's ready to go on a, on a to be printed yeah. and it's not really ever likely to be the case yeah. but yeah. if you aim for that then Hopefully, it's better than it would be. And so, do you? So, in doing that, once you've done your your draft is complete with the, this sort of editing as you go, do you just then send it to your agent or someone at that stage, or do you do a final sort of read through? No, I never read through it again because by that stage, I hate it, <laughs> I, I, and I can't. I just can't wait to get it out of the house. Um, sometimes uh, my wife's also an author, so she will read yeah. it, uh, depending on where she is in her own uh, process. Um, but yeah, it'll go to my agent. He'll give it a read over. He'll suggest things. He is, he's a good editor. So if he yeah. says yes or no to things, then I'll try and make, I'm almost always up against the deadline. So I need to be like, <laughs> right, you need to do it quickly. And then we need to make quick changes. Um, and then it will go to my editor from there. Mm-hmm. So, so the agent you have now, that was the first guy you ever wrote to. Is that right? Uh, or did you, did you have some kind of rejection before you I, No, I had, I had two or three rejections, um, from agents. Not many at all. And they were for the, for the previous, the dramatized one. Yeah. Um, he was the first and only person that I sent the the crime fiction to. Wow, that's great! Yeah, and we're still there, uh, hanging on by threads. <laughs> and what what made you know that I'm going to put the the first one to the side? You know that isn't that isn't hitting, rather than sort of reworking it or something. Like I, that. I mean, yeah, I think I put it to the side. I was thinking maybe one day I would re- yeah. rework it, but he's like, no, just don't waste your time. <laughs> I still think there's something in there, but he said it would need quite a bit of work. I've, I've contemplated fixing it myself and then maybe even self-publishing it, but mm-hmm. um, just there was so much work going into it. You know, you kind of. But sometimes it's better. Lots of authors have books in that drawer that they. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny though, isn't it that that you there's a story there that you probably think is good and comparable it, it, to the stuff that you have written that has been published, but yeah. you get agents that will say. This is good. This no, yeah. it's not going to work ever. Kind yeah. of thing is, it, it is a bit unknown how, how that sort of thing happens. It is, and one agent will tell you one thing, and I'm you ask three I'm agents, you get four opinions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, were you working whilst you were still writing, or did you? Did yes, you, did you, yeah. um, my first book came out in 
uh, April 2010, um, and I gave up journalism uh, to go full-time writing in October 2010. So book two came out in, or sorry, I finished book two in about June or July of 2010. So that second book, so suddenly you're on a you're on a deadline. The second book had to be done within a year while I was still working full-time. Yeah, yeah. I really didn't enjoy that process <laughs> too much. So that was really doing two full-time jobs. Yeah. Um, so at the end, towards the end of that summer, I had the opportunity to give up journalism and I was offered another two-book deal. And those two things happened within less than a week of each oh, other. Oh, wow, fantastic. So it was, it was a message. Yeah, I, like, That's fine. I mean, it is it's so interesting. Here. You have, like, as you see, you spent five years on one book yeah. and you and you work all out and stuff, and suddenly you're like, cool, you've got one year now to do book two. Yeah. I mean, that must be... Go, starting from scratch with a whole new book with yeah. a year timeline must be really stressful it was it, it really was it was so completely different and it wasn't even that I'd done the prep on book two so I was just ready yeah. to go uh-huh. yeah. when I sat down with my agent he said I want to take this on and I think we can sell it what's the second book mm. and I went oh right I hadn't thought as far as that <laughs> and I, I gave him some half-arsed idea and he said no no it has to be a crime novel you're a crime writer now yeah. I went oh I, and that hadn't occurred to me either yeah, yeah. so I had to go and come up with a plan for a book in really short notice and then write it within a year uh, well I had a bit more than that so but not much um, at that point we, we hadn't signed with Simon Schuster who I'm with now mm-hmm. um, yeah but I was getting on with it and but I didn't mind the time pressures it was more not having enough time in my own head to mm-hmm. to change maybe everything I would want to yeah. mm-hmm. and also just that thought that oh the first one was a fluke am I going to manage to, yeah, to get away with it twice yeah. I think that is the thing that, in speaking to everyone, we've yeah. had that. Everyone so always sort of thinks, when they get back to the starting of their new book, they, are they going to be found out this time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I've got to tell you, that goes on way beyond book two. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm about to start on book ten, and it's still the same. Uh-huh. Um, I remember talking to Willie McIlvany when Willie would have been in his early 70s at that point, mm-hmm. and he said he's still waiting for someone to tap him on the shoulder <laughs> and say, who the hell you are, get out of here. So that kind of imposter syndrome goes on, but I suspect it's probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. It keeps you on your game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that makes sense. And was it, was it hard when you went to your agent and you said, here's my idea for book two, and you said, no, you're a crime author, and that, was, that, that wasn't something you'd thought about then, and was that no. hard to hear almost, or did you...? Um, it was more surprising to hear, but looking back on it, my first book was uh, told from the point of view of a serial killer who horribly bumps off about seven people. <laughs> so I should probably have seen it was a crime novel and not the... Uh, the story of uh, redemption and, and love that I thought it was. So. <laughs> I mean, do you wish you were able to break up into more stuff? Or are you happy? Like in some it? ways, but I know it's it's kind of where I am. If I if I wanted to do something completely different, I would probably have to change my name or yeah. you know throw in an initial or something. Mm-hmm. But it's also I've never really had the chance to to do that because it's always it's to be the next book and the next yeah. book. Yeah. Um, and my thought process then is designed to the next crime novel, and that's, yeah. that's what I'm working with. And when you're under that sort of pressure of the contract and I've got, right, next book's next year, next book's next year, does it, are there, obviously, especially as we want to be writers and authors ourselves, <laughs> there's this idea that you're doing something that you love doing and everything, but it almost does become a job, you know. Yeah, I, it's... I take it, it has good days and bad days. As well. It has many more good yeah. days and bad days. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I was Chancellor 21 years, going in every day, making the commute to either Glasgow or Edinburgh, depending on where I was working. Um, and they had loads of good things about it. But being, uh, writing a novel, you're, your own boss for, you know, 90 per, 90 odd percent of the year. Um, and I would never want to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's times when 
it gets a bit more like being a job and you have to treat it like one. You have to yeah. be professional about it, which is not always easy for me. If you're at home and there's no one standing over your shoulder saying, get this done, although my wife does something. <laughs> um, but it's great. You know, you, you're doing something that so many people would love to do and you get paid for it and I managed to do it full time. Mm-hmm. So I, I always remind myself of that at the points where I'm like, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I have so much scope to work around you know if it's if it's in the summer and I want to go and take the day off and do something I just go and do it yeah. and yeah. that's nice and easy and I love that yeah. mm-hmm. um, if I want to be out during the day and then I work at night I can do yeah. that too so the freedom of that really suits me and is there a is there a sort of curve with each book is there a bit that becomes easier is the planning more difficult or do you get stuck at bits of writing yeah I, I suspect everybody Spoken to will say the same thing. There's a point about maybe a third, between a third and two thirds of the way through the book, where you realise not only is this the worst thing you've ever written, <laughs> it's the worst thing anybody's ever written, and it's a pile of shit, and you should never start it in the first place. Every single time. Yeah. And so you, the one thing experience gives you is you know that's going to happen, and you push on beyond it. Yeah. But your mind is still going, yeah, yeah, but this time. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's there, and you have to kind of get past that, and you have to sort of things and don't make it right and ask the questions and, every time. And do you share, your, you said your wife's an author as well, mm. do you talk through difficult bits yeah. with her or do you, and do you show her drafts of bits that you're doing? Around? Yeah, difficult bits. Yeah. Uh, I'm, she's much more used to me than I am to her in that respect. She also has uh, taught writing in the past and has uh, a book out on writing, which I nearly found myself plugging there, but I'll stop myself. Um, oh, so you'll free, free, plug free, it. Free, it's, yeah. it's, uh, like it's called, well, she got two books. The main one is uh, Stealing Hollywood, which was uh, screenwriting tricks for authors, which is much more difficult to say right. than it should be. <laughs> so she was a screenwriter and she's brought methods from that into structure mm-hmm. novels. Um, and I know so many novels crime artists you swear by by the book so she's much better place to advise me but she'll also come and ask if she gets stuck in things does this work doesn't it work um and it's really handy having someone else in she also writes crime so you know technical knowledge is there as well and it makes for weird conversations i remember walking downstairs she was walking in the dining room i come down and without any kind of preamble said when they do autopsies to put down the food in someone's stomach, how long till they get it back? She says, two to three days. Thank you. And I walk back up to again. And no one has to explain anything. Yeah, so. um, and you've, you've worked Ed- Edinburgh, Glasgow before, mm. and your books are kind of set in that same area. Was that important to you, setting the books in somewhere that you knew quite yeah, well? Is yeah, it, it's a bit of a bright what you know. Is yeah, that, that's right. It is a bit, because a lot of the other stuff you don't know. Um, yeah. I've never killed anyone, so yeah. I know <laughs> Something to make up, but I, I like... To be grounded in a real place. And I, as a reader, I prefer that. Uh, there's plenty of authors who make fictional places because they don't want to upset anyone. Yeah. Uh, and I, I get that. But for me, Glasgow, and obviously Edinburgh works pretty well as a setting as well. There's, I believe there's crime uh, writers who said books in Edinburgh as well. But for me, <laughs> I love Glasgow and it's great. And it, it lends all that dark humour and that kind of yeah. constant aggressiveness, but also with the, the, the friendliness with it. And... If you use real places and streets and pubs and, and restaurants, it kind of works. You can give that kind of colour. And people local to it love it, and people through you go as visitors. Yeah. yeah. So that works too. No, it's, it, when, it, when I was reading one of your books, it, was, it is. It's very much, because I know Glasgow, mm-hmm. it is very evocative of it. And 
it takes you into the story that much yeah. easier, I think. If you, I think so, because even if you just drop signposts along the mm-hmm. way, um, if you pass this restaurant or that cafe or that mm-hmm. pub, then people know where they are and it, it can yeah. take them yeah. there. So. And it must free you up a little bit to focus on the stuff like the plot, the characters, that you, the things you are having to create from scratch. You've got a setting you can hang your plot on already. You know? Yeah, exactly. I remember talking to... Oh, his name's going to get my head now, Swedish author. And he, he built an entire country. And he, so he had to, and he had to draw a map to know yeah, where everything yeah, was. Exactly, I'm like, I yeah. could not be arsed like that. You know, <laughs> I've got perfect setting. Yeah. All that. I don't need yeah. to imagine yeah. this. So I can use that. Yeah. And you're right. Then yeah. I can concentrate on all the, the important stuff. Yeah. And you, your main character, or one of the main characters in your books is, uh, Winter is, mm. is a photo, a crime photographer, uh, which I suppose is an unusual, protagonist for a crime novel, did you deliberately try and say, right, what can I do differently with the main character? There were in this? two things sort of came together. One was that, because everything else had been done, yeah. you know, policemen, lawyers, forensic scientists, little old ladies, monks, everything had been <laughs> yeah. done. But I, to best my knowledge, no one had ever done a photographer. And it kind of came about, I was actually thinking this just yesterday, that um, a friend, when I was at work, talked about some Mexican photographer called Enrique Metanides. And he worked for 50 years in Mexico City, basically an ambulance chaser and going to car crashes and all kinds of accidents and hangings and murders. Um, and they were for his tabloid red top. And the photographs are just incredible. Mm-hmm. He had the knack of making the most horrific scene have some kind of eerie beauty to it. Yeah. There's a very famous one, it's a model called Adela Rivas, who got hit by a car crossing the road. Full makeup. You've seen it, and yeah. she looks like she's alive. Yeah, and you—that's uh, in the in place of death. That's the very one that I'm reading. You mentioned, and about, it's yeah. a, just an incredible thing, and and it captured that moment. And I wonder about a what would it take, say, for character to, to be a photographer who uh, would uh, capture images of dead bodies, and also what how would it change it? Mm-hmm. So I, I, the other thing, that photographer is the first person on, on a scene. You know, before mm-hmm. the forensics, he has to record it, and I thought I like that kind of front row seat kind of thing. Um, so I, I thought I would go with that. I didn't really expect to make a whole series of them, and it, it becomes more difficult because you have to be careful that you can't have the photographer solving the crime. No, yeah, yeah, it just yeah, becomes yeah. stupid. You know, it's <laughs> dumb, and I don't want that. So I, that's why I've kind of moved to uh, his partner now, his, yeah. his wife, and who has who has a cop. So I kind of felt I had to do that and move mm-hmm. away from it. I thought or somebody had to die. But. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, when you plan a series of books like that. Um, is it, do you sit down and have a rough arc for where you're going to take him or do you just sit down and say, right, what's the next adventure? It's the next adventure. Um, but looking at the arc between the relationship, relationship even, between Winter and Neri and how I want to change that through the books mm-hmm. um, put them in conflict is always a good thing. Yeah. If you've got conflict between your characters, then you've got something hopefully interesting. But no, I didn't have an overall arc of where I wanted them to go. Uh, I never really expected to be into book nine and still writing about them yeah. uh, and they're in he's in seven out of the nine I think she's in mm-hmm. eight out of the nine um, so there is a bit of right okay where do we go with them next yeah um, and so your latest one the photographer was it was it was a really interesting read and I think it, it kind of had a really it goes over a difficult subject matter yeah. for those who haven't read it um, it's a kind of rape me too movement conviction rates of sexual assault yeah. women's role equality that kind of thing and and it felt certainly nowadays it felt really kind of topical and and I, I got the impression reading it that you you had real statements you wanted to make and you kind of used this as a way to put your thoughts about the whole situation out there is that, is that yes, right? Yes, I, I, I did want to do that um, I think as a writer you have to be 
slightly careful that you're not lecturing people. You have to give them the story they want. But there are things, one of the things my wife frequently says is to write about things that make you angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's undoubtedly things that make, made me angry, make me angry. Um, so I did want to tackle that. Online trolls, I, I, I have one of my absolute bugbears. <laughs> yeah. They all should all be exterminated. Um, <laughs> and they are frequently misogynistic as well. Mm-hmm. And this is something else that drives me crazy. When I knew, I realised I wanted to tackle the subject of rape and rape convictions, I knew that the voice in the back of my head was like, what the hell do you think you're doing? This is just dumb. Do not do this. Because mm-hmm. your you, chance of making a mess of it is is pretty high. So I stepped very carefully. I tried to learn as much as I could. There's one of these things that sometimes life just provides at the right time. I, I'd done a, a giveaway of a book in Butte, uh, where I run uh, a festival, and it was just for the signed copy of the book. But the person that won the book was the Rape Crisis Counselor. Oh, right. And I thought, okay, that's telling me to yeah. go. So I got in touch with her and said, if it's a no one, I'm never going to ask you anything, mm-hmm. if disclose anything, but can you talk to me about it and, and read the book over? And she did, and she was hugely helpful. Um, I ran it past my wife and other female authors, because that's the idea of a man blundering yeah. into that territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's all the things I had to do. Okay. And yeah, definitely things I wanted to see. Yeah, because it's, it's, a, it's a good book and it's it's quite a tough read, but for the right reasons, because it, so. it makes you yeah. think about these these kind of, you know, thorny issues that everyone's kind of grappling with now more than ever, perhaps. And and I definitely get the impression you had done a lot of research and, mm. um, and you talked to people and you shared it with Ron because it, it, felt, it felt like a very nuanced take on it, I thought. I would, well, I thank you. I, I hope good. so. That was certainly my, my intention yeah. to be very careful and to do as much work as I could. Yeah. I tend to do quite a lot of research in my books anyway. And uh, this one, the previous two books uh, had been about Arbexing and yeah. Murderabilia, mm-hmm. two things I knew nothing about. So I had to go and learn but learning about this subject was slightly different. So it wasn't really so much learning factual things about it. It was, it was things on, on either side of it and the, the unseen consequences yeah. at times. And so if you spend a lot of time researching your novels, what, what is your, what is your process? You know, do you spend a long time planning it out? Do you outline it completely or do you, sort of write a bit and learn sort of let it take its own path kind of all of the above I'm <laughs> taking a slightly different approach each time I used to do less plotting um, I met my wife funnily enough I met her while she was um, I wandered by sheer chance into a workshop she was giving on, on structure and uh, and I did go in I'm aware looking back going, oh, well I won't learn anything but I'll sit down anyway mm-hmm. by the end of the book um, the book I was working on that point was The Last Refuge. And by the end of, of that hour, I'd made five pretty serious changes to the book. Because oh, wow. I realised, oh shit, she's right. <laughs> and it's turned out that's been the case ever since. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'd made five big changes and I went up and told her that at the end. And since then, I've plotted a lot more. And the books where I tend not to plot are the ones I get myself into trouble. Mm-hmm. But I know so many authors who don't. They just start with their premise and their first sentence in their head and they go. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've, of course, they're not wrong to do so, but I, I increasingly need more of an idea of where I'm going. I think it, it must depend on the type of book you're writing, because something mm. like a crime novel where certain things have to tie up and yeah. things, there has to be a bit of structure. You're dropping drop in red herrings. Yeah, exactly. You need to I, I know some people go back at the yeah. end and drop them back in, but. You can, yeah. But 
Yes, if it's not that sort of novel, then maybe I can see that no planning and just let and see, see what well, it I, I read, tomorrow. I'll be careful not to give it away, but I, I read uh, I saw a tweet yesterday from a novelist who uh, was happy to say that they were 50,000 words into the next book and still didn't know how they were going to solve the case. I'm like, what? Come <laughs> on, <laughs> oh, surely you must know. And Ian Rankin has said a bunch of times that he can be three quarters away in the book before he knows who did it. I don't, I am not sure I believe him. Um, (laughs) If he does that and manages to pull that off, then that's quite a trick. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's some things you need to know. You don't need to know all of it and quite often I will plot out and then realise it doesn't work and you go have to go in a bit of a different direction. Mm -hmm. So, you've got to go with what works for you. I, I think the people we've spoken to before have said that what puts them off planning too much was the feeling that it takes with the spontaneity of the writing, but there's a balance, isn't there? I think of enough planning so you know where you're going. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. How you'll get there. It, I think it doesn't take away the spontaneity. Not for me, because if you come up with some, because you, you're not going to get all your best ideas no. at the start. Things will occur to you, and also you, once you realise that wait, that couldn't happen because she's done this, yeah. and he wouldn't do that. He would do yeah. this instead. So you have to go off, but you change, you go with it, and if you have a, an outline. Alex uh, plots every chapter before she starts, but that's going back to being a screenwriter. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I know that Quentin Jardin has uh, what he calls his FG moment at some time during a book when he, he's going and he's stuck, and suddenly it's fucking genius. It's, 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 it's <laughs> um, and that does happen. Yeah, you, yeah. you got me, you know, we Mary dance around the room, yeah. go, right? Okay, I've got this bit sorry, and that's great because you can't work it all out. No, Sometimes you'll be right, I have to get him out of this situation, I will worry about it when I get there. Yeah. And there's bits of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like when in my own writing, sometimes I'll find myself sort of trapped by, if you haven't, if I haven't planned it out properly, you'll suddenly reach a situation where like, yeah. hold on, how's this going to be resolved? <laughs> yeah, how could you possibly you just yourself yeah. in a corner yeah, of the room? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and hopefully there's a window you can get out in the other <laughs> way. And, and so if you're, if you're kind of redrafting as you go a little bit, do you, is that, does that help with the whole problem that we've talked about before of knowing when your book's done? You know, do you, do you always have that kind of limit of saying, I'm not going to do too many drafts of it, so I know after X drafts it's finished? I, yeah, you, you hope it's finished. Um, and you, but you probably need fresh eyes to do that because you're so, you're immersed in it for so long mm-hmm. that you know the story's done, which doesn't mean the book's done. And you kind of maybe need someone else to have a look at mm-hmm. it. So that's yeah. where, yeah, I've got my wife or I've got my agent. Um, and they can say yes or no, like, or they'll be like, you haven't resolved this, or yeah. why was he even in the book to start yeah. with? Or, so you, but you get a sense of it, and that is something that comes to writing more books. The more you write, the more you're able to, I think, get a sense of when it is actually yeah. done. I hope. Mm-hmm. And do you ever say, do you ever get any advice from your wife or your agent, and you think, mm, nah, I don't agree with that, and you just, um, or do you, sure. you always tend to be kind of have some kind of truth in them? No, they, they're, they're always valid and also good reasons. But sometimes I'll go away and think about it and I'll be like, no, that has to be in. In fact, I think, to be honest, that's happened more with my editors. I think I've had about <laughs> four. Um, than it is with them. They've come back with things and I'll be like, but they've all been great. If I go back and argue, no, this needs to happen because of this. And I'm going, oh, you're right. Or, you know, talk yeah. it through. Yeah. I've never heard anyone say, Right, you, you must do this. That's never yeah. happened. Okay. And at the end of the day, it's my book, and mm-hmm. if, if it's wrong, then it's my fault. Then. Yeah, so yeah. Be it. yeah. And, no, and, and what does happen? So once your agent's seen it, and he sends it on to the editors mm-hmm. and the publicists, do they, what, what's the process there? How much of a say do they have on the content, etc.? Uh, 
quite a bit and it's all guidance and I always want to hear it because I'm still on the view and that it, they A, you need someone else to look at it and they know what they're doing it's their job to look at it so it'll go from my agent to my editor who will take however long it takes read over and come back first of all with structural suggestions um, sometimes there are more than, than others and it will be you need more of this or less of that or this bit doesn't work Um Lee Child's story, which I'm just going to steal right now, is that <laughs> his editor will come back with 22 points and he goes mad. And he's like, this is ridiculous, I'm not doing all that. And he spends two days throwing things against the room and then, then he, he agrees to do 10 out of the 12. Yeah. And he spends another four days and he goes, okay, well, I'll do six of them. And then two days later, he agrees to do all of them. <laughs> so it's, it's a bit like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is, always, it is always difficult, no matter even if it is good advice, to yeah. get someone else Telling you to change something mm-hmm. yeah. of you that you've created. Yeah. You know, the yeah. book has never been written that doesn't benefit from being edited. Yeah. No yes. one, yeah, is, is above that. No one writes a perfect book. No. There are authors that we know of whose books are not allowed to be touched. Mm-hmm. And I, well, good luck to them. Um, and in those cases, because they've written to a point where they can have that kind of power, and it's obviously not done them any harm, but every book can be, yeah, can yeah, be improved. Yeah, right. think, every think, movie, every piece of music, everything yeah, can be absolutely. I think, I think you're right. I think we've, we've all read books from famous authors later, later on in, in, oh, yeah. in, in their lives where, they, mm-hmm. as you say, they've been, they kind of get, uh, freedom to write massive tomes. And you think this could have done with 300 words cut out of it and it would have been a much tighter read. But absolutely. Yeah. Every, everyone could. It's, it's like a Tarantino movie. He needs yeah, a director yes, to yeah, say, no, that, that's Cut crap, get that out. Yeah, 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 and find yeah. a way to end it instead of just blowing shit up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So everybody needs an is. Yeah. yeah. And do you ever suffer from writer's block or anything like that? Not as such, no. Um, I was, that, well, this is still true. I used to say that as a journalist, you didn't have time to do it. You couldn't afford writer's blocks. You just had to get on with it. But there are bits where I'm maybe not sure where I'm going next, so I will walk away from it. Mm-hmm. It's not block as such. It's just like, you need to walk and think... Um, even things like go for a shower, you know, because you're then your, your mind can do yeah. it. Um, so not blog, just, and if I get, I don't know where I'm going with that, I do jump ahead to later in the book because I know this is going to happen. So I'll write that scene while my yeah. subconscious tries to work that one out. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that, so You're the second, David Baldat, we spoke to David Baldat on Sunday or something, uh-huh. and his solution was to go and have a shower as well. Yeah. So there you go. Like clean authors up there. Yeah. Lynn Anderson also advocates showers, so it's, it's maybe a crime writer thing. And what's your favourite part of writing then? Oh, and, and what's the worst part as well, I suppose? Uh, they might be the same, it might be the research. Okay. Um, I love the research, but it's so easy to get down that rabbit hole yeah. and, and get lost. Yeah. Uh, so you have to be careful. Um, I love researching things like urbexing, so I knew nothing about it, so it's urban exploration. Uh, and I had to go and learn where people did it, how and why they did it. I had yeah. to go and speak to urbexers. I had to go and visit sites. And the danger then is you have all this new knowledge and you're desperate to put it in the book. Yeah. And you've got to learn not to put it in. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to park. Yeah. You only use what you need to use. So in the first book, one of the things that my editor told me that I had a huge huge dogfighting scene and I'd done all this research on it and I wrote this ridiculous 5,000 word chapter and he said look take 4,000 of those 5,000 words out yeah. and I think I took three of it because I thought well he's wrong um, <laughs> but he was looking back I should have cut more of it out so do the research I love doing it and go and talk to people you know Google the hell out of it but learn what to use and what not to use so that might be 
my favorite part. I write, I like writing dialogue. Um, I like almost all of it. Uh, research trips involve travel are always pretty good as well. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that I've never really done myself in writing is gone out and actually met, you know, a cop or a mm. forensic, someone who, who does the job that I'm writing about and to, to talk to them. Is that something that you would definitely recommend? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think what everybody, people will find is that uh, people are much more willing to help you okay. than you might have thought. Yeah. Incredibly helpful. If you phone up, uh, universities are great. There's always academics on those stuff and they're happy to show you how smart they are, <laughs> yeah. which is a great thing. Um, I have two cops that I use. One is retired, but was head of CID. And the other is, well, actually just recently retired, um, female DI, so the same as my character, yep. which is perfect. Mm-hmm. So uh, I sent her the photographer to read, and she likes it because she's getting a free look. She's a crime leader anyway. Mm-hmm. She gets a first look at a book. Um, and I, she applied to me while I was sitting next to Chris Brookmeyer at an event, and I thought, well, that's quite, I'll take a look. And I'm sitting there after screen, after screen, after screen. <laughs> I'm like, oh fuck! And he's like, what is it? And I'm like, God, look at all these things I've got wrong in this book. <laughs> but it's better to find out the wrong then yeah, than yeah, once yeah, the things printed and then have someone tell you. So she she was hugely helpful. Um, she she's getting the next book very shortly as well. She doesn't know that. Yet. <laughs> um, so just simple procedural things. But she's also really good because she'll say, well, you know, we wouldn't do that, but I'm, it's not so wrong that you can't use it because yeah. I know from a fictional yeah, yeah view that you you need to make that happen. I yeah. think from most. Cop shows on TV would oh, exist yeah. because certainly from the law shows. Oh yeah, I try not to be yeah. quite as you know, like that. But <laughs> but there was a point in that book that I'd already got advice from a lawyer on I needed to make a court case collapse, and then uh, so the documents in the court case and the photographer had to there was a session where they would go, and the lawyer said, "Well, I'd do this, and that would happen." And the cop said, "No, no, I would get them. I, we'd get the documents. That couldn't happen." <laughs> Well, it could happen, but so I went with him because A, I'd already written two thirds of the book. <laughs> and A, both things are possible. Um, yeah. So I went with for the one that suited me and suited the plot. Yeah. It's funny, I remember Jade Mercurio, the uh-huh. Leonard Duty mm. guy, he was tweeting about, I think it was a bodyguard, and someone, there's obviously been a lot of oh, yeah. saying things like, this would never happen, yeah. like, blah, blah. And, and his approach, his response to it was to say things like, um, well, it would happen, and, and to argue why, why it would happen. And I kind of thought, it would not be easy to just say, yeah, but it's, it's kind of fiction. It's, it's I think that is the best response. <laughs> well, someone, I find, my memory is it was a police officer that I saw speaking to him on Twitter saying, that wouldn't happen, we'd do this. Oh, and Jed McHugh said, well, you know, our, our uh, yeah, expert on, on right. the show says it would happen. He said, well, look, I'm, I'm not bothered about it. He said, I'm just saying, I'm a current seven police officer, we're not allowed to do that. Well, I said, well, just give up on it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I, just I, say, I, yeah, it's right. fiction. Yeah. And yeah. It's like Don't, DNA results. You, you can't wait three days for them to come back in a book or no, yeah. CIS, yeah. you get them in 30 seconds or yeah. CSI, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you have to be able to bend the truth a little bit, I think. That's you right. can make it ridiculous. No. You know, or mm, some make it more ridiculous than others. But anyway, let's... And, yeah, and don't, don't, don't engage with the trolls online who are... Or no. say, yes, you're right, and move on. Yeah, just, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, w- with crimes, well, you're having to come up with a new crime, a new, yeah. a new uh, and I suppose a different way that something's happened and it's going to be solved in an unusual way. Is that difficult or does that I kind of stopped doing that as much um, now that I'm, whatever, eight books in this series. Um, I think in The Photographer, um, there's the, the reveal is really early on. Yeah. Like, first third of the mm-hmm. book. So I didn't want to do that. I didn't necessarily want to do a who'd done it. And I, it wasn't, it was less about 
that then of what would happen, would he get away with it, um, and how it affected the people on all sides of the argument. So I, I, in the new book, I have gone back to, in fact, I think no one is, no one is murdered in the photographer, which was the first for me. <laughs> um, but so I've gone back and killed shed loads of people in, in the next one, and some of them a bit more unusual as well. So I always kind of write the book I want to write and do something a bit different for me in the hope that if it's different and interesting for me, then it will be for the reader yeah, as well. Yeah. And is, is the plan to stick with Nerium Winter and that? Or are you uh, going to branch out? It's, it's, um, it's a, or if you do, what's It's a touchy it? subject <laughs> at the moment. Um, so the book nine, which is with copy editor at the moment, is Winter and Neri, but it's, it's a slight departure already because half the book is in Glasgow and half the book is in Los Angeles. Right. Uh, my previous editor had wanted to try and make that transatlantic thing. I spent about three months of the year in LA because it's my wife's from there. Okay. And so it was trying to make advantage, take advantage of that knowledge and mm. do that. Um, I think it might be a standalone next. I'm sure it will be a standalone next <laughs> if it's my, my decision and we'll park them for a little bit, but we'll, uh-huh. we'll see. I'm not going to kill them off so that, uh, I can, I can go back. Yeah, okay. no, don't want to paint yourself into, into the corner too much in case you get a no fresh uh, idea. The, the temptation has been there to do that, so they will be just draw a line under it. Yeah. But uh, no, I don't want to do that. I know I've also been told so many times by readers don't dare to do that. So <laughs> they take and, it personally. And when it comes to the audiobook version of, mm. of of your work, do you have any control over that at all, or is that you know uh, you just hand over and you say go, no? Go I on. really don't have much. Um, it's changed slightly. So my first narrator, I was given a choice of. Four. All oh, right. Okay. Only four narrators, none of whom were Scottish. Right. Okay. Uh, but and one did they send you samples of their work and stuff, their voices. Well, see, that's what my wife gets. She had a choice of something like 120 narrators <laughs> and listened to clips of all of them, and she spent something like two weeks trying to decide. I was given four names, and um, I could go on on Amazon and listen to a bit of the work. So I chose, I chose an Irishman because that seemed like the nearest thing. Um, <laughs> Ah, oh, bless him. Um, <laughs> so how far is your podcast going? Is he likely to go to New York? I, I, I don't. Who knows? Who, who knows who listens to? Uh, okay, so my right, so my uh, Irish narrator did narrated the whole book in uh-huh. in a Scottish accent. Oh wow! Or rather, he narrated it in a, a number of Scottish accents. <laughs> Because it kind of changed every chapter. A tour of Scotland. And it probably sounded the same to him or to anyone yeah, outside yeah. Scotland. But obviously, we pick up on it. It kind of would be in Glasgow one minute and Inverness the next, um, then, then it'd be in Brigadoon. You know, it, it kind of kept, it was a movable feast. Um, so I don't have a whole lot to say, but then I did have to say, say, look, I really think we need someone actually Scottish to do this. Yeah. Uh, so we now do, although he's from Edinburgh, which is almost the same as being Irish. <laughs> I don't know if it's close as, but he, he's doing a fine job. Um, and would you want to ever write anything other than a novel? Like, would you want to do a screenplay or anything like that? Yeah, I, I kind of, I've toyed with the idea of doing that, although my wife, who spent 10 years as a screenwriter in Hollywood, says, no, you're wasting your time. You're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. Just stick to what you're good at. I'm like, well, yeah, but. So we'll see. Um, I'd, I'd like to try different mediums, just on the change as good as the rest kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an idea for reworking one of the books into a US setting and, and with the idea of pitching it um, as a screenplay. So I'd still want to do that. She won't put me off it. She will help me with it. <laughs> um, and I, I think it's an idea that can work. 
I don't know what I'm doing. I need to buy books. So I probably need to buy her book and, uh, and, and do that. She might give me a free copy. So, yeah, I like the idea of doing it, but it's a completely different skill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've always kind of thought of hope that my strength was in the prose, and that goes. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, uh-huh. So it's all about ideas and plot. And, uh, yeah, and it, and it is a... It much more as as hard as it is to break into the publishing, it's much even more difficult to break into yeah. the film world. If yeah. you you know, especially in America, yeah. you need specialist film agents and uh, film yeah. lawyers, and uh, so and to get something made, is so many pieces have to line up just right to get. Yeah, my wife's books have um, been very close for about three years now. The finances in place, they've got a well-known actress attached. But it's still just like inching along. Yeah. Um, they say it takes ten minutes or ten years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then so many authors I know who've had things optioned. I've come close a few times, but never have done. Um, and they're optioned, and then you know, doesn't happen. The vast majority of occasions. Yeah. But equally, I know quite a few people who are getting things made at the moment, and that's hugely exciting. Yeah, yeah, so. definitely. Would you want to adapt a book of it that you've written yourself into script? You think, or would you feel that's you, you need someone? I, I would like to do that, but I'd be happy for someone else to adapt yeah. to, to, to <laughs> a script as well. So I'd be, you know, I'll take the money and run. Because do you do you sell the rights to to the books to, or how, or have you ever done that when you when book comes out? Do you sell the rights to a film company at some point, or do someone buy the rights to make it? Ed, my agent deals with that, so uh-huh. he, they would go through him. Um, some I don't have a specialist uh, film or TV agent. It's not something that I actually need to do. Um, so they will then deal with production companies. We've had interest from production companies in Germany, actually, to, oh, right, okay. to make uh, the Faroese book. I don't think it's going anywhere, but you live in, you yeah. live in hope. Yeah, so. totally. We always like to ask a few questions at the end of the podcast. Go for it. Um, so uh, first, last book that you read... The last book I read, uh, well, that's slightly different because I've just finished reading for the debut prize for the, uh, oh. the Blythe Scotland Crime Book of the Year. Oh, right, okay. So I wrote, I read five of those more or less at the same time. So I guess, um, I'll go for the winner, which was Claire Askew's All the Hidden Truths. Truth. Yeah. What's that like being, being judging that? Is it quite horrible? Oh, it's <laughs> absolutely horrible. It's absolutely terrible. Um, I wish I'd never, I've done judging a few times, but the first oh. time I think I've judged full novels. Judge short stories a few times, and it's it's really difficult because you know it's one person's view. There's there were three of us judging. Um, for one thing, reading five books that's a year's worth of reading for me. So I don't <laughs> yeah. read as much these days. Um, and you've got somebody's career on your hands, and it's it's a really heavy responsibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you disagree, you got to find, with the other judges. You've got to find a way around that. And you've also because the books were debuts. There was always, in most of them, there was something that you, I could see, well, that could be done a different way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's their first book and they're learning from their craft. Um, yeah, I, I don't like sitting in judgment of other people. It's, yeah. it's, it's not a yeah. comfortable place to be. Um, and was it, was it, on this occasion, as we don't have to answer if you, if you don't want to, but did everyone kind of line up or was there? No, we, we had a, we had a long and uh, uh, robust debate. Um, there was, there was different issues in play. Um, and there was flurries of, emails and phone calls and then we decided and then we hadn't decided and we went back um, so one of the other judges kept phoning me to the point I just started ignoring his calls like, I need to get some work done here apart from this and I know what you're going to say and I don't know what my answer is so sorry Gordon I just dinged your, <laughs> dinged your calls and what was the last film you saw? Uh, uh, 
God, I watched something just the other night. What did I watch? Uh, well, I, I watched Tarantino. That might, I keep watching Tarantino movies in the hope that one of them will actually be what they're supposed <laughs> to be. So I watched uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, which was really typical Tarantino. You know, there's some great performances. It's, it's really looks good. Some great music. And I just wish he worked out what the hell the movie was about at yeah. times. Um, right. And you go, oh, well, that movie's just finished. Okay. <laughs> Right, well done, Quentin, again. Oh, at least he wasn't in it this time. Um, so that, that's one strange Australian accent. I, I, that was the way I kind of thought of it when I came up with it. I, I enjoyed parts of it a lot. Yeah. Like the cult stuff I thought was great, and I thought there was a, probably about an hour you could have slimmed a lot of that. I've done a lot of reading on Manson in the last few years because there was a big bit about um, Sharon Tate murders in the Polanski residence in Murderabilia. So I did a lot um, of reading about that. In fact, I have, I have a piece of the house in my wow. house. I've got a piece of the fireplace in, which, in front of which they were slaughtered, which I know sounds slightly strange <laughs> when you say it out just like that. But the book was about murderabilia collecting things to do with, with serial killers and murders. So I had the chance to buy a piece of that, and so I did. Um, so I've been doing a lot of reading about it. So I didn't like that side of it, but it just sort of it came in at the movie and then just went out again yes, without really yes. touching anything. I would have liked a lot more of that stuff. Yeah, like, me too. For me, that was the best part, like the bit in the middle when he goes to the ranch. I thought was the ranch phenomenal. was the ranch was great, but then you wonder if you didn't go to the ranch, did it change anything about no, the rest exactly. of the movie? No, it didn't. Absolutely, exactly. So, I, I think I wanted a different movie. I wanted a movie more about the Sharon Tate murders, etc. Yeah, and, and I didn't. I could have done with a lot less of the Hollywood. I think he decided he was going to bring that into it, and then he didn't know what to do with it, which yeah. is what he always does. Yeah, I think that's probably right. <laughs> uh, last TV series that you watch, or one that you're watching just now? Uh, I just finished uh, Peaky Blinders last night. Right. And again, I went, wait, what? That's the end. <laughs> um, so they've teed, left so much hanging for season oh, six. Mm-hmm. I hadn't watched it till about a year ago in a blitz five seasons. Um, it's one of those things so if Alex hasn't watched any of it so if I'm good to time then I can blitz my way mm-hmm. through it yeah. and again it's, I can't really decide if I love it or not there's some great performances in it and sometimes it just gets, gets a wee bit silly mm-hmm. um, but no that, that's what I've been watching cool. I liked it um, and the, the last thing we do is a kind of quick fire mm-hmm. back and forth question so real book or ebook? real book uh, Line of Duty Bodyguard Never watched that either. Okay. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> um, eat in or go out? <laughs> eat in. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. Correct answer. <laughs> um, and last one, uh, uh, Laidlaw or Rebus? Well, Laidlaw. <laughs> no, that's not fair. <laughs> Laidlaw. <laughs> Am I on? Yeah, you're on, don't worry. <laughs> Mike, check. <laughs> yeah. One, two, one, two. We are recording, unfortunately. <laughs> you checked my levels this time, Marco. <laughs> uh, that was a great chat with Craig. Yeah, yeah, was was very good. Uh, really had a lot of tips, I felt. Yes, I think for the aspiring writer out there, I, I feel there's a lot of useful information, which hopefully will come in handy. And Craig is uh, also, we didn't really talk about this in the podcast, but he's also the or one of the organisers or is on the board of um, Bloody Scotland, mm. which is the, one of the biggest crime writing festivals in Scotland. Yeah, possibly the world, Marco. Possibly. I don't know. <laughs> no one knows. 
<laughs> no, it is, it is actually, as um, Ron Burgundy would say, kind of a big deal. <laughs> uh, that's that's why David Baldacci mm-hmm. was in Scotland and they've had other huge authors come yeah. to their festivals before. No, it's, 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 it's a it's very big It's hosted every thing. year in Stirling in September um, and it's something that we want to try and get along to as well. Yeah. Hopefully... This time next year, you'll be listening to us chatting on the main stage. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure the audience are hoping for that, but anyway. Um, and yeah, Craig's books are all out now. The latest one, as we talked about, was The Photographer. Mm-hmm. which I read it, really good book. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we said at the start and we chatted to Craig about, it's, it's quite refreshing to get a crime book written from someone who's not a cop. Um, it's quite a nice twist. It's a little, it's, it's a small twist, but it makes a big difference actually in the book. And it is, and it's, it's a book which is a bit of a tough read at, at times, but it's, it's a very relevant book, I think, to the current climate we're in. So and yeah, it, it's, it's that sort of crime book that it's not. Um, you're not trying to find out who did it. No, no, it's, 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 it, yeah, you can have it's no. Not who done it? That's no. the phrase. <laughs> If only someone had a phrase yeah, for these types have of a phrase books. for that type of book where you're trying to find out who, <laughs> who did the crime. Who did it? Who did it, book? Yeah, who did it, yeah. Uh, it's not who did it or who done it. You kind of know who it is and it's more about um, it's more about the difficulties in proving stuff and especially when it comes to rape and sexual assault, these cases where you've got witnesses you don't want to come forward, you've got evidence which is... Uh, lost or not shared or hard to uncover and you know it might just be he said she said stuff and so it's all that it's all that stuff which is really uh, really interesting to, to and think very about topical. And very topical yeah yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely no uh, so yeah we hope you enjoyed that chat as well as much as we did mm-hmm. um, thanks again to Craig for coming through yes, Edinburgh thank you very to much. record that really appreciated that um, and sorry you found uh, such a struggle to park your car in my street, which is... Yeah, uh, listeners won't know this, but Tarek lives in a part of town where it is impossible to park yeah. your car. I've seen people get murdered for a parking space outside <laughs> my house. Craig Robertson could write a book about... <laughs> I didn't even see Craig Robertson since he left my house. <laughs> no, I don't know, maybe not. <laughs> He's been a car partner for weeks now. <laughs> um, who have we got on next week, Tarek? Uh, next week we have A.L. Noor. Yeah, Abby Noor. Abby Noor. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a writer of... Uh, young adult fiction and is the heiress to the stock cube empire <laughs> no only one of those things is true she's not enough <laughs> um, yeah no she writes uh, young, uh, urban fantasy young adult novels um, which have been hugely successful mm-hmm. but entirely self-published as well. yeah yeah um, and she's made a big success of it so it was a really interesting chat and a bit different <clears throat> to most of the authors that we're yeah, talking to yeah. in the sense that She's quite happy to remain self-published. She doesn't want to, um, you know, she doesn't even really want to be published by a, No. Because she's worked out a, a way to do it that is is perfect for yeah. her. Yeah, I mean, I have a good chat about the Kindle Unlimited and, mm-hmm. and that's it. But you've not really chatted anyone about in the past. So it's, it, it is, it's a really good listen if you're, if you're look, coming to things from a going on the Kindle store solo without an agent point of view. Yeah, I think you'll really, really get a mm-hmm. lot of it. No, definitely. Um so that's about it for for us this week. Um, if you like that podcast, uh, please do uh, like it, rate it, share it, and subscribe. Most importantly, yeah. um, please, uh, please, because do. that really makes a difference to 
the visibility of the podcast on all of the various apps that it's available on. So we'd really appreciate that. Um, thanks as always as well to Simon Stokes for his yep. audio assistance. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can send us an email to podcast at rightgear.co.uk or send us a tweet to write, uh, at right underscore gear. Yeah, and we're also on Facebook and Instagram mm-hmm. as well, but I can't remember the yes. handles. <laughs> Marketing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we'll just leave you, as always, with an advert for the Page One notebook uh, that we created and was successfully kickstarted. Um, the advert tells you a bit about it. You can find out more on our website. The link yep. is in the bio. And uh, we hope to see you again next week. Yeah, see you later. Bye. The Blank Page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is, write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down, or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying, or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy, and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realised it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. Page one is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy-to-use sections that will help you plan your story so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it, so we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project, whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic or any other kind of story. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one.